Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. 
Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Thanks, Alex. Well, we're back to thinking about food again today. If you were here last week, you remember we talked about food and what makes us hungry. We're back to thinking about food, uh, as Jesus does here in John 6. Uh, It's something that we all know that we need, right? We all know that we need food. Unless you're a breatharian, have you heard of this movement, the breatharians? Uh, who claim to be able to just live off light and water. You've heard of sugar-free diets. This is a food-free diet. Um, anyway, <laughs> we won't go, go into that too much, but um, the vast majority of people recognise that uh, you need food to survive, right? You, yeah, it's a necessity. The right response to your hunger is to eat something. When you're starving, it's a message telling you something, right? <laughs> it's a, your body is sending you a message telling you to get some fuel into you. Uh, we, we reflected last week, though, about how our hung, we, we have this hunger on a really a deeper level, though, as well. Um, it says something about us, this hunger, this deeper kind of spiritual hunger, this hunger that we have. Well, our need for food tells us uh, or just think about our physical hunger for a moment. Our, our need for food tells us that we can't do life on our own. We're not kind of just self-sufficient people. Um, we need to receive life from outside of ourselves. We need to receive it. Not, we can't generate it from inside ourselves. We're not self-sufficient. We're really, if you think about it, incredibly weak and fragile creatures aren't we it's easy to trick ourselves in our society that we're not because we've just got food kind of whenever we want it and wherever we want it from but in other times and in many places around the world today uh, that's not the situation Uh, 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 food is a precious resource that um, you couldn't uh, that you can't always rely on having we kind of can forget that Uh, and but if you remember that, you know that in, in other times and other places, if you don't sow your crops, if you don't feed your cattle, if you don't do the things that you need to, uh, it's not just a small thing. You can't actually survive without food. If you didn't have the food on your plate, you would die. We are needy and dependent creatures. Um, that's how it's always been, right from the beginning of the Bible's story. Uh, Adam and Eve were created weak and dependent people. They're needy people who lived only because of the life-giving word of God to them, uh, who gave them food to eat. Uh, Our hunger is like a message. It kind of preaches to us. Um, It preaches to us that, okay, I should go get some food, but it also tells us something very significant about us, that we we don't have this life within. We, We depend on life from outside of ourselves. 
Uh, again, yeah, we, we reflected last week about this hunger on a deeper level, though, not just food. Uh, Jesus uses this image of bread that we've been thinking through the last few weeks to talk about this deeper hunger. And that hunger preaches to us too. Uh, I've got a quote here. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get it on the screen, but it's from C.S. Lewis. Uh, he puts it like this. He's a, um, uh, he was a British author. Uh, he wrote, The Christian says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. He goes into it. It's a bit complicated. You're not born with a desire unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling desires to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If I find within myself a desire that no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made, it's, a, it's kind of a message within me, pointing me to another world. Uh, if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, it does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. Uh, our hunger is there because we were made to eat, but our physical hunger is just this pointer towards this deeper spiritual hunger, and our spiritual hunger is there because we were made to have it satisfied. And then Jesus declares... In John 4, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Uh, there's a lot in what Jesus goes on to say. These next few verses, uh, up to about verse 40, are kind of a bit of a summary of the whole of what this passage is talking about, which we'll go through as we work through. Um, but you see that um, in verse 38, there's something that gets repeated over and over again through this passage. Jesus talks about himself as the one who has come down from heaven. The one who has come down. This, it's a, this, it gets, Jesus says it again and again. He's the one who has come down. The bread that comes down. And again, last week we kind of briefly touched on this, but it, that, that coming down from heaven links into the Old Testament story about the Israelites in the wilderness and the way that God fed them with uh, manna from heaven. They, they were enslaved in Egypt. Um, they were set free from that and... They were heading towards the land God had promised them, but they spent 40 years in this wilderness and there was no, they, they couldn't go out and get food for themselves. Um, uh, they, they get out there and they start grumbling. Uh, they grumble at Moses, you've brought us out of this place, out of Egypt. At least there we had food. Uh, and now we're here, we've got nothing to eat. We were better off back in Egypt. If you know the story, God provides. He provides bread from heaven he provides this manna for his people and there's something really interesting that goes on with this um, account in the old testament uh, every day uh, the manna would be on the ground they'd go out and they'd collect uh, and each person 
would collect just the, the, the perfect right amount for themselves. Um, some gathered lots, some gathered little, but at the end of the day, everyone had just what they needed. And there was this thing that happened is, um, some of them thought that they would, uh, they, they got smart, right? And they thought, okay, well, we don't know how long this is going to last for. Um, who knows how long this man? And so we'll just get a whole lot of this matter and we'll stockpile it. And if you know the story, you know that they wake up the next morning and it's all rotten. They can't stockpile it. Um, uh, and no, no, none came on the Sabbath day as well. Uh, and, but that didn't matter because God gave them a double portion on every Friday. So this, what's going uh, in a way, what, what God was doing, it would have been quite difficult for the more kind of proud and self-sufficient people to go through. I'll get my own food, thank you very much. I'll go out and fend for myself. But they just couldn't do that. There was no other food. And you see what God's doing here? A whole generation over 40 long years had sort of written onto their consciousness, had impressed on them that they were entirely dependent on God. They were entirely dependent on God. They had done nothing to earn this food that God just rained down. They couldn't get smart and stockpile it. Every day they had exactly what they needed. It was like this lesson that was getting reinforced that they were entirely dependent on God and it was all because of God's sheer grace. It was all a total gift to them. They didn't earn it. They were totally dependable. He gave them just what they needed when they needed. They learned that God was their generous provider and that he could be trusted to give it every day. And so when Jesus comes and declares, I am the bread that's come down from heaven, he's saying the same thing. This, the, the life that he, I give you, Jesus says, the life I give you, you can't earn it Your deepest hunger tells you that you're dependent and weak and you need life to come to you from outside of you. There's no other food around you that can satisfy this hunger. You are in a wilderness all of your own. You can try and fill it up with other stuff, but it won't satisfy. It's not what that stuff was made to do, but Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm here to give you that life and just like the manna in the wilderness, to give it to you as a sheer gift, a free gift. You can trust me, Jesus says. What happened back then in the, with the manna was just a pale shadow of what I'm doing. I'm here to feed your soul, not just for a day, not even for 40 years, but for eternity. And you can start to see what a massive claim Jesus is making, can't you, as you kind of go through this. Um, The people listening to Jesus can't believe it. Just like the Israelites in the wilderness, you know, they started to grumble. These guys grumble. That's interesting. That gets picked up, isn't it? Uh, They don't trust what Jesus is saying to them. Then down in verse 42, see what they say? They they knew his parents. That always cuts you down to size, doesn't it? Um, You know how it is. It's always great to go back to where you grew up, but I'm always conscious when I'm talking to people that they have in their minds an image of this scrawny, snotty, freckly-faced, missing-toothed kid. 
Uh, so these guys say to Jesus, look, we know your parents. We saw you grow up. Um, how can you say that you're the bread that's come down from heaven? The way that God has provided for his people to be filled up forever spiritually. Uh, uh, Jesus goes on. He goes right, again right to the heart of things. They don't believe him. They don't believe what he's saying. But actually what they're saying is kind of a bit of a smoke screen. It's not really what they're getting at. It's not ultimately because they knew his parents. Um, the ultimate reason that Jesus kind of points to is that they haven't been drawn and taught by God. Verse 43. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Uh, there's some tricky things in there, but basically Jesus is saying that this spiritual life that he gives... and. That and the reason why these guys didn't get it was because they didn't receive this, they weren't drawn to, to it by God. The spiritual life that he gives isn't something that we can earn. It's not something that we can achieve. It's always a pure gift. <clears throat> and those who eat and you know, come and eat this bread are always pure receivers. We, can't, we don't initiate it. We don't earn it. It's all a gift of God's grace. He draws. He teaches he gives this food. If you're a Christian today, it's not because you have worked your way up. It's because Jesus has come down to you and for you. It's not because you've analysed all the options and you've ended up deciding on God and frankly, he's pretty lucky to have me, you know? Uh, no, it's because you were starving and without any hope in yourself and God plucked you up, drew you to himself, taught you and fed you on the gospel of Jesus. If you're a Christian, that's you. The real Jesus isn't interested in religion as a ladder going up. Uh, basically, every other religion is a ladder going up, whether it's the five pillars or the eightfold path. Um, even some of the Jews had the wrong idea about God's law, that it was always a, uh, meant to be treasured and followed in thankful response to God's grace. But <laughs> our human hearts are so proud that they turned it just into another ladder going up. But Jesus isn't interested in that. He's not a ladder going up. He is the bread that comes down. And those who eat this bread are pure receivers <clears throat> uh, and the reason that this is good news and can be trusted is because Jesus isn't just the bread that comes down from heaven. Uh, notice as we read on, he's not just the bread that comes down from heaven, he is the one who belongs in heaven. He's the one who belongs in heaven. He is the eternal, unique son of the Father, equal with God. God made flesh. Verse 45, it's written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God, Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Maybe you've been in conversations with people um, and, and uh, Christians themselves can speak like this. 
uh, where we, we kind of talk or we hear people talk like this. They, we talk about God and we say, I, I like to think of God as dot, 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 fill in the blanks. I, I, I like to think of God as this. Well, I, I like to think of God this way. Um, it's a pretty common kind of way of talking about God. Well, you know, what, do I, what do I think? I, I like to think of him as like this or that. See what Jesus is saying here. It kind of just totally exposes that mentality for what it is. Uh, that the kind of pure speculation and um, the only one who can say what God is like is God himself. He has done that in his word and ultimately in his eternal word made flesh. If you remember the start of John's gospel, that's how Jesus is introduced. The word has become flesh. Jesus, the son who is from the father and he knows the father, um, And you see the striking claim Jesus is making here. If you listen to God, you will go to Jesus. Uh, Anyone who claims to hear from God but doesn't go to Jesus is not listening to God. Jesus is the bread from heaven. Those who eat it are pure receivers, not earners. Jesus isn't interested in ladders going up. He is the bread who comes down. He can be trusted. He's so good because he's not just the one sent from heaven, but the one who belongs in heaven, equal with the Father in glory and majesty and divinity. Jesus goes on to talk more about, though, what it looks like to come to him and eat this bread. What what does that look like? Verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven Whoever eats this bread will live forever. It's just similar kind of themes, isn't it? Eating this bread is not a matter of performing certain ceremonies or ticking certain boxes. Um, John really has one great thing in mind as he writes this whole gospel. If you remember a few weeks ago we mentioned it, right at the end of his gospel in chapter 20, you can flick ahead if you... Um, if you've got your Bibles open, in 20 verse 31, he writes. He tells us that he writes this whole, this whole story of Jesus, this whole gospel, in order that you, who are reading it, so that's you <laughs> right now, in order that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you would have life in his name. So there's kind of one big theme that just gets turned around and gazed at from different facets all the way through John's Gospel. Um, But the image of eating the bread of life isn't, he's not talking about a different thing to believing in Jesus. Uh, It's another way of talking about the same thing. Faith, real saving trust in Jesus, is like eating bread that satisfies your spiritual hunger and gives you life. The one who believes 
And did you notice that? Not will have eternal life, but has eternal life right now. But did you also see there that this is available to anyone? Verse 50, anyone can eat this bread. Um, This goes together, doesn't it, with what Jesus says earlier about the Father drawing people to himself. Uh, It's the Father who does that and initiates that and uh, teaches people. But you can never use that as an excuse not to come. You can't say God hasn't drawn me so I won't come and I shouldn't be held responsible for that. You see what Jesus also says alongside that? Anyone can come. If you're here today, you can come and eat. If you do it, it'll only be because of God's grace, because he has drawn you here, and he is opening your heart and mind to Jesus. But it's still you who comes and eats, who says, yes, I believe Jesus is the Messiah, God's King, God's eternal Son, who perfectly reveals the Father, And yes, I'll trust him, I'll receive his gift of life. Anyone can do that. And Jesus' promise is that they will live, they will not die, they'll have eternal life, spiritually speaking. But do you see the twist in verse 51? I didn't read it out before, right at the end. It's really bizarre. Um, Jesus has been talking about bread all this time, which is kind of a nice, everyone likes bread, Smells good, tastes good, fills you. Uh, he, uh, but then there's this really bizarre total shift in verse 51. Jesus goes from bread to flesh. Um, bread is one thing, but then he puts in something that would have been totally shocking for the people hearing it. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. He goes on to talk about blood. Uh, flesh and blood. They're images that they're supposed to be gruesome, right? They're supposed to give you an image of violence and death. It, it's a gruesome kind of image, and it gives the people listening to Jesus a real shock. Remember, and remember, the, the Jewish people had really strict food laws and laws about drinking blood and all of that. Um, verse fifty-two: The Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, "How can this man give us his flesh to eat?" Is this some kind of bizarre cannibal movement? Breatharianism is pretty bizarre, but you know this this is just offensive, <laughs> right? But Jesus doesn't let off. You know, he doesn't apologise for what he said and say, "Oh, I didn't really." He, he he kind of presses into this gruesome image. In verse fifty-three, Jesus says to them, "Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood." You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. 
Remember that for Jesus isn't talking about something different to believing in him. He's using this image uh, to talk about the same thing, but he doesn't apologize for it. He wants, I, I, what's he saying here? I think what Jesus is saying is, is he's giving them an insight into what it will look like for him to be this bread. Um, to give life to God's people. What will it look like for Jesus to do that? To be, well, it'll look like him being ripped apart like a loaf of bread. But more than that, it'll look like this. It'll look like his flesh and blood. He doesn't. He doesn't want us to leave this conversation thinking, "Oh, how nice! Jesus gives us bread. Very good. Believe in him." I'm good with God and oh, that's all good. Now can we get to morning tea? You know, like he doesn't want us to go through this conversation, the people he's talking to and us, without coming to grips with what it will mean for him to be this bread, this life-giving sustenance for God's people. Uh, uh, we can only kind of think, have that flippant attitude to it. We can only think, Oh, well, yes, Jesus, bread of life, very good, what's next? Uh, if we don't realise what a serious situation we are in without Jesus, if we don't see and feel just how starving we are and how tragic it is that we restlessly try and feed ourselves on everything else other than him, on food that spoils, <laughs> uh, if, we don't see, if we don't see that, in the terms of the Bible, if we don't see how sinful we are. But once we do see that, once we see how radical our problem is, then we can start to see how radical God's solution is. Being this life-giving bread for the people of God leads Jesus to the cross. And believing in him is nothing other than getting your spiritual sustenance, your life from his death. From his flesh and blood broken and spilled. It means remaining in him, being united to him by faith so that he takes all your sin and hunger and gives you all his life and fullness. <clears throat> so friends, have you fed on Christ have you fed on Christ it may be that you have never yourself done that you have never yourself put your trust in Jesus to receive the life that he gives now here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat this is the bread that you can come and eat today. I'm going to pray a prayer later. It's a simple prayer. Everyone can pray it. But if you know you haven't eaten yourself, uh, and if God is drawing you today, if you will come and eat for the first time, feeding on Christ by faith, by trusting him, then pray this prayer with me as at the end and feed on Christ. Receive this manna from this bread from heaven. 
that won't just last for one day, but for eternal life. His promise is that if you come and eat, if you receive the life he gives, if you see that uh, giving you life meant giving up his life for you in your place, if you receive that and you trust yourself to it, you will have life. Have you fed on Christ? Maybe for you the answer is yes. Yes, I've fed on Christ. I'm I'm trusting in him. I've believed in him. Um, It's such a key thing here, isn't it? That Jesus promises here, you see what's going on? Having that understanding of Jesus, not as, uh, of of bread uh, bread coming down, not a ladder going up. Uh, His promise is not dependent on your fluctuating life uh, on your feelings uh, if you have truly fed on Christ and come to him it's all by God's grace it is because God has drawn you chosen you it's not dependent on you it's a once for all diet change that God has given to you uh, and that Jesus promises that everyone who looks to the Son who beholds him once, but then goes on beholding him and believes in him, will have eternal life. It is a once-for-all diet change, but this side of the new creation, we still have our old taste buds, right? Uh, We still have things that we would try to feed on to satisfy us, rather than Jesus. We still have our spiritual vending machines. <laughs> I'm sort of mix, <laughs> mixing up my metaphors here, but you, you, we still have those things that we go to and to get our food from. Uh, there's a whole lot of things. I, I was thinking about my own life uh, and perhaps some of the lives of us here in our church family. See how this goes. Uh, the approval of others. Maybe that's your spiritual ven- vending machine where you go to for your, your life. Um, Jesus says, I have come down from heaven. Uh, God has chosen you and drawn you to himself. You don't need to live off the approval of others. Success, maybe for you, you're a perfectionist and you just must do everything exactly right to have that sense of, you feed off that, right? That's what feeds you. But that's a relentless, never-ending, never satisfying thing, isn't it? Jesus says, I have done it all for you. I'm the bread who comes down. Just receive. Maybe for you it's control, control of your circumstances or even of people that you feed on. Jesus says, I am the one who is equal with the Father. I have, the Father has given all control, all authority to me. Rest in that. Entrust yourself to me. Maybe for you it's pleasure and comfort. That's your spiritual vending machine where you go. Um, it's, it's possible, isn't it? For We have had this once-for-all diet change if you're a Christian, but we do, until Jesus returns, have these old tastes that still call to us. The wonderful news of the gospel is that both, we know that they won't satisfy, they're exposed for what they are, but more wonderfully than that, that, that we have 
bread from heaven that will eternally satisfy. That means you don't, all that you're looking for in your quest for approval or success or control or pleasure and comfort or whatever else it is for you, all that you're looking for is perfectly supplied, fully given to you in Christ and will lead you to eternal life. For all of us, friends, whether it's for the first time, whether it's just to retune our diets, Jesus' call for us is to come and taste and eat. We're going to sing a song in a moment. It's like a prayer. It uses a different image. It's not the bread image, but it's like a prayer. It is a prayer that God would tune our hearts to his grace, his gift of life, that we wouldn't wander elsewhere to find our joy and satisfaction and peace, but we would know the fount of every true and eternal blessing and come to him every day, come to him now. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. And again, um, perhaps this is a prayer you could join with me in, all of everyone, those who are Christians. If you're not a Christian and today is the day that you want to feed on Christ, that God has drawn you to that, please pray this with me. I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the God of grace who gives life in Jesus. I am so needy and hungry. I'm sorry for trying to have that hunger satisfied in things that won't last. I'm sorry for not coming to you. Thank you for coming to me in Jesus. Thank you for your incredible love in sending your son to die in my place so I could have life. Today I come to you and put my trust in Jesus, receiving all he has to give me. Thank you for your promise that all who come to Jesus will have eternal life. Help me to live always feeding on Jesus by faith. In his name, amen.